0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to 3rd day of our conference. This session we have some farmers joining us. I'll uh, be discussing some of the challenges that they have in their farms and their communities and then what it is that they would like buyers and others in the food sector to do to help. Okay, we've had one or two technical problems, and we are still waiting for a couple of our panellists to join us. But right now, I'm delighted to be joined by Doreen Imtala, who is a farmer in Malawi and member of the Demerara Farming Cooperative, and also Rachel Banda, who is the Safety, Health and Environmental Officer at the FETA Cooperative and is also a farmer. Rachel, why don't you start us off, perhaps introduce yourself and give a bit of context as to where you are, what you produce on your farm?
1: As is mentioned, I'm Rachel Banda from Malawi. It's in the Southern part of Africa. And here in Malawi, I'm coming from Chikwawa district where our cooperative is based. So this cooperative is called Pada Sugar Can Outgrowers Cooperative. We have our main cash crop, which is sugar. So we grow sugarcane and we produce sugar at Ilovo Mio. We do have Ilovo Sugar Company close to where we are. So that's where we process our sugarcane to produce sugar. We
0: are certified, our product is certified by Fairtrade International. Tell me some of the challenges then that you experience in your farm and in your farming cooperative. The greatest challenge that
1: we are having is the dry spells. I guess we all know we are we are experiencing the effects of climate change and this side the effects are spells and these dry spells they make us to over depend on electricity. Because we have to use our irrigation system. So this irrigation system uses electricity. And then it means that we are paying more bills, like a huge amount of money, to the electricity companies so that they supply us with electricity. Because without irrigation, it means we cannot have anything from this sugar cane. So our greatest challenge is the dry spells we experience a very short rainy season. And most of the times, this rainy season, it's so unbre- unpredictable and it's, it's so heavy most of the times. And it even destroys our crops and this reduces the yields of our crops. So when we over depend on electricity, it means our profits as farmers are very uh, minimal. We don't get much profit from the farms. And also, we try to help ourselves to to add on more crops, like different kinds of crops, just to add on our main cash crop. We do produce like onions, we do produce maize. But then the problem is these other kinds of crops, they also need irrigation. If we depend much on electricity, it means the benefits are really So... Those are the challenges that we are having. And also, I think because of deforestation, there is a bit of siltation in the river that we depend on for irrigation. I think those are the
0: main challenges that we meet here at a Cooperative. Thank you, Rachel. Can you give us a sense as to how you've seen these challenges changing over the past few years? You mentioned that the rainy season is less predictable and sometimes, in fact, you get catastrophically heavy rain that destroys crops. How has that changed over Mm -hmm. the past few years? So in
1: the past, we could predict, because normally in Malawi, we have three seasons. We have a dry season, which we call it summer season, from around August to mid-November. And then from November to around April, we do have rainy season. And then summer season from April end to july but then in the past we could predict depending on the weather the way the crowds are forming we could predict that by next week we'll have rains but then this time around things have changed because i remember when i was growing up my mom could say eh, you know what we have to do this and that because by next week we'll be having rains and that could really happen but that is not happening nowadays things have changed Nowadays, even here, as I'm saying, uh, this is December, but here in Chikwawa, we've only had one day when we had rains. And these rains were really heavy. Some of the houses actually were destroyed. In this area, we are also more prone to floods because it's a flood area. So floods, most of the times we also experience floods. So things have really changed. I've seen them as I was growing. We could predict even during the winter season, it was cold. But nowadays, actually maybe Doreen, my friend, can even witness that nowadays in winter, we actually don't even wear coats here because it's no longer winter. It's just winter days. That's how the climate change has really affected
0: us. Things have really changed this side. Okay, Doreen, thank you very much for joining us. Perhaps you can introduce yourself and your farm and your farming community and what it is that you grow on your farm.
2: Uh, My name is Doreen. As I said, I'm Doreen Intali from Malawi. I am a farmer. I belong to a cooperative in Lilongwe called Demera Cooperative. Firstly, I have my own farm. Where I grow rice, cassava, maize, beans, ground nuts, and tomatoes. Our cooperative is based in Lilongwe, where mostly we grow soya. That's a major crop for the cooperative. We are more than three hundred people in that cooperative, and we grow soya. In the end, when we harvest our soya, we sell the soya as together there are buyers who promised to come and buy our crops. But the problems we are facing is that they don't keep their word. Last year, due to the COVID pandemic, they came and only bought from the first, they, they only took the first uh, produce from the people who brought it at the first instance. And thereafter, they didn't come again so that many people failed to sell their soya to this particular buyer. As a result, mostly the soya was sold to different buyers who bought at different prices according to the buyer's wish. And this year, we have faced the same problems that the buyer didn't even buy from us. As a result, farmers have sold it to different buyers. And the main problem is that the buyers who buy from us, they don't keep their promise. They buy from the farmers according to what they want. And also the prices are very low. Another challenge that we are facing as a cooperative is that we don't have a warehouse where we can keep our produce. At the same time, we have workers to be paid who worked for us during the rainy season. As a result, we just sell our produce to anybody who comes to us in order to be able to repay the people who have worked for us. So this has been a challenge. Mostly, we don't have enough finance to run our farms. So, because of this, you use any other chance that comes in to find the money and pay our workers. That is the more reason why we sell our produce to anybody who comes to us, even if that is offering a very low price. This is a challenge. These are the challenges that I can mention about our side here. And it's the same challenges that as individuals, we are facing as individual farmers around our community. The community people are hardworking, but to find the market for their produce is not easy. Always they sell to anybody that comes and offers any other price. These are the challenges that I can mention so far.
0: So your challenges are based around access to a fair market, essentially. You find yourselves being unable to access markets where you get a fair price for your produce, you have to sell to it. Whoever is, is there, that's the challenge that you find? Yes. Okay, thank you. Rachel, back yeah. to you. So you talked about the challenges dealing with the rainy season and unpredictable rainy season. So what would be the solutions then? You have an irrigation system. Would financing better irrigation, would that be a solution that would help? Having a,
1: an irrigation, and also on top of that, We're also thinking of having a solar-powered irrigation. I think that can also help. Another challenge when they are buying, they would love to buy at their own price. But then they forget all the processes that us farmers go through for us to produce that product. So we need a fair price for our products. That will really be helpful. And also, and with climate change, we would really love our producers, different business people, in whatever they are doing in the supply chain, they should consider reducing the emissions because those emissions are really affecting us. So if they can pay a fair price and also reduce the emissions, which leads to the climate crisis, that can also
0: help us. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you very much. We are also joined by Zedi Chekkomi, who is a coffee farmer in Kenya. Zedi, could you just very briefly introduce yourself? Tell us how your farm operates.
3: I'm Zedi Chepkome Rotich. I come from Kericho, Kenya. That is Africa. I'm a Fair Trade certified coffee farmer. I have a coffee bush of 300 coffee trees, and I belong to a cooperative society known as Kapungetun Cooperative Society.
0: And very briefly, what are the principal challenges that you face on your farm?
3: The challenges that are faced by the coffee farmers, one, the effect of climate change. We are beginning to feel it because climate change is affecting the coffee cycle. For example, the flowering of coffee, and therefore this one has led to low coffee yields. For my case, if I can compare the coffee yields from the year 2019 to the current year, In 2019, I had almost 3,000 kgs, and then it has reduced. Last year, the session is ongoing, we are picking coffee, but I want to talk about last year, 2020, my coffee yields decreased to up to 800 kilograms. Another challenge that we are facing is low coffee prices for the coffee farmers. Now, sometimes the prices are very low, such that It is even below the production cost. And this one is really affecting the coffee farmers, especially. We are majorly depending on income from coffee to educate our children, to provide food to our families, and even health care. This one is really affecting us more. Another challenge that we are facing is delayed coffee payments. Coffee payments come once in a year, and it is not able to sustain us throughout and here, I'm majorly talking about the coffee farmers, and we also have women coffee farmers. We have an organization called Women in Coffee, where the women were gifted some coffee bushes by their husbands. We are majorly depending on income from coffee. Therefore, this one is really affecting us because we don't have any other income generating activity to sustain us, even as we wait for the process from coffee.
0: Do you have the opportunity to grow other crops so that you can have other harvests across the year?
3: Okay, we can grow other crops, uh, but majorly the main cash crop that is grown here is coffee. We also grow in small scale, maybe maize, but that one is for subsistence. It is for consumption, not for sale. We also grow maybe vegetables and what have you, but the main cash crop that is grown here is majorly coffee, that is why we are majorly depending upon it for income.
0: We have some questions which I'd like to bring in. So Nicolette Pavesi from Bayer, would you like to put your question, uh, Nicolette?
3: Yes,
1: hi. Thanks for the insights. And I just wanted to ask, uh, this is more of a general question, so to all the panelists or whoever wants to answer first, but it's more around access to innovation. So a lot of the challenges that you talked about, especially the ones which are more related to climate change, could be addressed by innovation. So I wanted to ask what role do you think farmers in in your countries could have in advocating for access to innovation and whether you feel like you have a sufficient voice in in the key platform that are discussing these innovations? And if not, what are the key barriers that are preventing you from participating in these discussions? Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Rachel? To be honest, most of the times we feel like as farmers, we don't have a voice because most of the times we are not considered in like decision-making positions. I don't know whether it's just the setup in Africa or it's all over the world, I'm not sure. But like where I'm coming from here, as farmers, most of the times we are considered as low people, like low class or something like that. that. Our role is just to produce not really like to be involved in decision making. Most of the times the buyers, they're the ones that determine the price of the product. And yet it's not supposed to be like that. If we're our voices were he- we being held, it means it, it could have been us farmers to determine the price of the product because we know the system, we know the activities that are involved, the money that we have spent to produce the product. But then most of the times we are not considered sometimes we fail to advocate because of the way things are where we are coming from sometimes when we are advocating for a change you are considered as someone who is opposing the maybe like the government something like that those are the hindrances that hinders us farmers to advocate for a change for what we want i can say most of the times i think as farmers we don't really advocate because of how the setup is coming in but then i've noticed a slight change that nowadays we are trying to work actually with the coming of as i mentioned that our product is certified by fair trade so with the help of fair trade as farmers who are certified we are being helped as in how best we can advocate for a change. And now we are working towards that because uh, as just a single cooperative, we cannot manage to advocate for change. So we are trying to develop networks with other producers so that we are able to have a strong voice and advocate for what we want. Hannah Kunin, can
0: you bring in your question now? It's a great time to bring in your question.
1: Hi, thank you so much for your um, insights, all of you. Um, this is a wealth of information. My question is specifically for ZD. You mentioned that the payments, you get one payment per agricultural cycle for your coffee, but oftentimes those payments are delayed. I was interested to know, is there any form of communication between either, well, the buyers or the aggregators or homebrewers that's picking up your coffee Are they explaining to you why the payments are late or are you just completely beholden to their own timeline
3: thank you in kenya we are still harvesting our coffee it ends in in december and then we wait for coffee payments till april may june even even july i think the reason as to why there is delayed payments is that the coffee are sold and then we wait for the payments thereafter therefore this one Actually, it is not sustainable as such because we are depending on the income from coffee and therefore the, the coffee farmer serves us. Sometimes the cooperative societies, our cooperative societies, are doing what they are able to do to see to it that the coffee are sold and then the payments are given to the farmer. But sometimes also, we also have the middlemen who come in between. These are the people who really exploit the farmers because they buy our coffee at very low prices. These are the people who don't know even how a coffee bush looks like. And they want to exploit farmers by buying the coffee very lowly and they sell it at profits. Therefore, I want to say that I feel that our, our voices are not heard and we are raising our voices. Our government, for example, should stop these middlemen from exploiting the farmers and instead we should have the buyers coming directly to the farmers and buy directly to the farmers because these are the people who know how to produce the coffee, how to pick and every other activity that is involved in coffee farming. I also feel that our voices are not heard because we are also asking our governments maybe to manage industries to stop emission of gases to the atmosphere, because this one is a major contributor of climate change. Let them manage the industries. Let we minimize the emission to the atmosphere, pollution to the environment. Again, I also am for maybe the farmers be cushioned by being given incentives, like fertilizers, like the farm inputs, So as to cushion them, especially from the effect of climate change, because the coffee farmers are realizing very low coffee yields, which they majorly depend upon.
0: Jordi Hoff from EDNF Man, make your question. It's actually a remark on what Sadi is saying.
1: Kenya is a bit of a specific country where the government is buying the coffee and sell it through auction. And this, we have a program called Fall Cafe Way, where we support farmers in improving their profitability and if a farmer can earn some money then they can also become sustainable that's the idea behind that program but in countries where the governments actually interfere in the supply chains with auctions you get delayed payments you get the situations where farmers like Sedi can't
0: reach out to our companies and our support to help them and become sustainable that interferes a bit in that sense Thank you, Jordi. There's a couple of questions that are very similar, and I wanted to, to summarise them. A question around where our panellists can go for advice and support to help adaptation to the challenges you're facing. And also from Emma Dennis, and Zazoka Ardai from Mars, asks if the governments provide platforms for farmers to speak up and help influence buyer behaviour. So guests both asking, what are the sources of advice that you can go to? Doreen, where is it you can go for advice to help you face these challenges that you've mentioned?
2: I can agree with what Hannah said about government if they can deliberately make it a point to run some companies owned by the government which can buy produce from us farmers. And these can be readily available in the communities whereby people can be able to sell to those markets than business minded buyers who come and sell buy from us at a very low price because they are thinking of them making a profit after that. That's what I can say.
0: Rachel, where is it that you go for advice? Does government provide support that you want? This is an honest
1: question. We are not given the support from the government. That's where the other problem is. Because if the government was really supporting us farmers, Even the price Doreen is talking about could have maybe been determined by the government, like a better price to tell the buyers that, no, you need to buy our producers on this price, which is a better one. But then the governments are not really helping in terms of like advice and the like. For example, in our case, we depend on like Fair Trade International, That's where maybe we get some advice on how to go on, how to mitigate the effects of climate change. A practical example is how, the way we use premium money from fair trade, because after selling our product on a fair trade market, we do get a premium. So that premium, we are directed on how to use. And with the coming in of climate crisis, we use that premium money mostly to adapt to the effects of climate change. So the projects that we use for the premium is for the adaptation to climate change.
0: Thanks, Rachel. And Sedi, same question to you. Where is it you go for advice and our governments providing support? Are you, is your government in Kenya providing the support that you would like?
3: Our Kenyan government does not give us any support. If it was supposed to do that, maybe the Kenyan government would eliminate the middlemen that are exploiting the farmers, the coffee farmers. I also want to concur with my friend that the support that we are getting is from Fair Trade International, especially on mitigating the effect of climate change and what's our view. For example, over 300 women in our society have got the biogas units. This one reduces maybe the cutting down of trees for firewood fuel. We are also getting the premiums. We are using it to help us even to educate farmers on good agricultural practices and what have you. We have used our premium to construct a greenhouse.
0: Thank you. I'm extremely sorry, but we are out of time. I know that our next conference session starts in a few minutes. It's been a very powerful session. My thanks to Rachel, to Doreen, and to Zidi. Thank you so much for your input and your insights and your candor It's been a really powerful session, one that we've been delighted to hold. But for now, thanks very much and goodbye.